Who's ready for the Word of God today? Let's get into it this morning. Uh, last week, I spoke a message called Transforming Soils. Transforming our soils. And the idea was this, that as disciples, as people who are all in, as people who want to uh, bring the mission of Jesus to a reality, that we would go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. One of the distinctives that separates us from people who believe in Jesus, from those who are disciples and embody a disciple, one of those distinctives is that we are people who bear fruit, spiritual fruit, kingdom fruit. We are people who are able to uh, personally, what is bearing fruit? Bearing fruit is you personally becoming more like Christ and it's you helping others become more like Christ. That's a real simple definition of what bearing fruit is. Is. Where do we find this idea? It says this in John 15 verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What Jesus is saying there, and what another translation actually says, that when you bear fruit, you prove that you are my disciples. The ESV translation says it that way. And so last week, we, we, we know that we want to bear fruit. But we understand and, and now we know that in order to bear fruit, as we look through the story of the four soils that Jesus preached, we realize that fruit needs good soil in order for it to grow, right? We understand that naturally. Like who here has got a struggling garden? That's, that's me. My wife put her hand up really quickly. That's us. We have a struggling garden. I think I actually brought some weeds from my own house last week uh, to show uh, my struggling garden. We know that in the natural, that if the soil, if the environment, if, if soil's not cultivated, a tree's not going to grow, fruit's not going to grow. And as it is in the natural, so it is in the supernatural. If we don't cultivate a right soil, what is the soil? It's our heart. If we don't cultivate a right heart, good fruit, we won't become more like Christ and we can't help others become more like Christ. And so there were four soils. And the difference between the three bad and the one good soil was this, that the good soil was open-hearted, that the good soil listened to the Word of God, and that the good soil also listened but had a place of understanding. Not that just that we hear, but we meditate and we begin to understand the Word of God. And the last thing, and I think the thing that really stands out, is that the good soil hears, listens, and understands and puts into practice what they heard from the Word of God, from someone preaching or from someone just personally reading their Bible in their own devotional time. So today, I want to continue with that thought of bearing fruit. I'm not going to be talking about the four soils. And uh, to be honest, I think we've really, uh, this wasn't the plan, but we've kind of stumbled on a series that I want to call Bearing Fruit. And this is kind of part two of Bearing Fruit. And I want to continue that thought today because um, Disciple House's mission statement, the statement that we want to uh, 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 achieve and reach to is this, that the reason that we exist is because we want to see people transformed and equipped for purpose, that we experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, that we're equipped by the Word of God, and that from that transformation and from that equipping, we're living life on purpose. There are so many Christians who are experiencing the transforming power of God, but they're not experiencing the equipping of the Word of God. And vice versa, there are many Christians who are so well equipped, but 
Transformation is not something that they're doing and living. And also, there are lots of people who experience transformation and equipping, and they know so much, and they've encountered God so much, but they're not living life on purpose. The reason that you are transformed and the reason that you are equipped is so that you live life on purpose, so that you live this life as if tomorrow could be the last day that you live, as if eternity matters, as if what you do here in the average of 80 years that you live on the face of this earth, it matters and it affects what happens and how we go into eternity and the people that we bring with us. So bearing fruit, becoming personally more like Jesus and helping others become more like Jesus is so, so important. There is a soil, as we discussed last week, that bears fruit. And today I want to talk on this subject. There is a place and there is a practice of bearing fruit. There is a place and there is a practice of bearing fruit. Let's read our scripture for today. John 15 says this, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be uh, even more fruitful. Who's experienced the pruning power of Jesus in their life? Yes, sir, that's me. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus is directly speaking not to a crowd, but to his 12 disciples. And then he says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, Jesus now explains the metaphor, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do remain in me, you are like a, uh, if you, sorry, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. These are some harsh words from Jesus. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And we've read this verse already. This is my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing or proving yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray. Father God, today we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that it transforms us. Thank you that it equips us to live this life on purpose. And today, God, I pray that we would open our hearts, as we spoke about last week, that we would be good soil today, that the word of God would land well. Not that what man has to say would land well, but what the Spirit of God wants to say to people today would land well. And Father, we would cultivate a right heart in our life and activate what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What's your, uh, what's your ideal holiday? What's your ideal holiday? Just begin to think about that. What's your ideal holiday? For me, uh, it's what we just had recently, Esther and I, as we transitioned out of our previous church into now planting this church, we were able to have a month off in January, which was amazing. It was so good. Ideal holiday, getting in the car, going down south, heading down to Dunsborough, heading down to Bustleton and camping. That might not be your ideal holiday, one-star accommodation, but that 
is my ideal holiday. Roughing it, being there, my feet are dirty. I've got sand everywhere. I've been at the beach all day. For me, uh, my ultimate holiday is consecutive hot days. I love plus 40. That's me. I'm there. I love plus 40 degrees. I'm all about it. I I love consecutive days or 40 degrees. Why? I I love going to an amazing beach. How blessed are we in this nation? I say to Esther every time, people, people dream about the beaches that we have on our doorstep. It's just people pay crazy money to be able to see what we have. And sometimes we don't fully take advantage of it. For me, my ideal holiday is low wind, because who knows that Perth is really windy. When you have that low wind, it's like, yes, the beach is calm. It's a great day. It's going to an amazing beach. It's having a bakery lunch, stuffing your face with pies, sausage rolls, vanilla slice, jam donuts. That's the, that's the ideal holiday. And then smashing an Arvo nap. That is, that is the <laughs> ideal day. But that's a holiday. What, what for you, what, what, what is something that you do during the week? What, what's your ultimate thing that you love to do during the week that kind of refreshes you, that kind of just reinvigorates you? Uh, for myself and uh, for me, I won't speak on behalf of Esther, but for me, it's getting up and uh, winning the morning on our day off. Winning the morning. Uh, Esther's not too fond of this idea, uh, but for me, it's like, let's get up and win this day. Let's get up. It's a, it's a phrase that people hashtag on social media. Win the morning, win the day. That's me. Let's get up at 7 a.m. Let's go have breakfast and uh, let's go enjoy uh, the morning at the park with our beautiful daughter, Jordan. For us, that's what we do on the weekly to refresh our soul, to enjoy life, to pause, to have a moment where we're actually not just living life continually, but we're actually pausing and being grateful. You know, the thing about this, this is just a side note, thankfulness and gratefulness, you can't have that operating in your life if you don't pause. Yes, you want to hear a really weird story? Yesterday, I was lying on my couch and I was having a pause moment and I heard the washing machine going and I literally said, God, thank you for my washing machine. I know that might sound really weird to you. But like I had a moment of, of gratefulness that like I am so blessed that I can hear my washing machine operating right now. I, I don't know. That was just me yesterday, huh? That Esther put on, even more blessed, you know, even more blessed that Esther put on for me. Hey, the question I want to ask you this morning is this. What refreshes you? What refreshes you? What reinvigorates you? What is the place or activity where you find refreshment? You know, having holidays or having weekly things that we do throughout the week to refresh us, they're good and they are needed. But when it comes to our soul and when it comes to our walk with Jesus, there is a place and there is a practice that will continually refresh us if we choose to plant ourselves there. Physically, we need holidays, Physic, maybe even mentally. We need holidays. We need that weekly thing that we, that we go to, that we do. Maybe it's just going to a cafe and having a sip of coffee. But when it comes to our soul, we can't holiday like we do for our physical body. We can't get that rest like we do for... When it comes to our spirit, when it comes to our walk with Jesus, there is a place and there is a practice that refreshes us and it's the springboard to help us bear fruit. This place and this practice. And what is that? We read it before. It is abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine. The the word that was used in the verse we read before was remain. But some other translations use abiding. I like abiding. I like the word that is used there. Uh, The context of this passage is Jesus is having his final prep talk with the disciples. He's, He's prepping them for him leaving 
that Jesus has just spent three years physically with 12 people and others that followed him. And Jesus is actually preparing them for his departure. They've spent three years abiding with Jesus physically. And, and things are about to change. Jesus is about to die and be resurrected. And he's about to go and he's about to send his Holy Spirit. And he's teaching the disciples, hey, there's going to be a new way that you're going to have to be with me in order to continue what I've been doing in you so that the kingdom is going to advance. Are you with me? Jesus is trying to teach the disciples, this is how you're going to abide. They spent three years physically watching Jesus preach, physically watching Jesus heal and do the miraculous. Jesus is going to go. And this is great for us today because that's the context that we live in. Jesus is not on the earth anymore. The Holy Spirit is on the earth and released into believers. And so we can actually draw so much from this conversation because Jesus is talking about a future that we're actually living right here and right now. And what Jesus is actually saying is, if you don't learn how to do the new abide, you won't bear fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. If you don't learn how to do the new abide, if you don't learn how to remain connected to the vine, you will not bear fruit. And as Jesus said it to the disciples, so he says it to us today. If we don't know how to abide in Jesus, we won't personally become more like Jesus. And we won't be able to allow people to become more like Jesus, bearing fruit. Are you with me this morning? How do we know this? John 15 verse 4 says this, Remain or abide in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or abide in me. And Jesus is calling us to do the same thing today. And so here's what I want to do as uh, we're kind of finishing off today. How, uh, the question that I want to answer is this. How do we abide? If it's so important, how do we abide? And what does it look like? How do we put this practice into place? How do we abide in Jesus? What is abiding in the vine? What is it? Here's the first point. Number one. How do we abide? By submitting to the vine. By submitting to the vine. And this is the place, not the practice. This is the place that we need to put ourselves in. Uh, If I had a branch here with me today, a physical branch, and I was holding it out, you would know that this branch in a couple of days is going to wear out. It's not going to be able to bear fruit anymore because it's not connected to that tree or it's not connected to that bush it, it, for a couple of hours. You know, you, when you buy flowers, flowers look great for a couple of days, but because they've been taken out of what was supporting them, they end up in our bins. They, they're gone. They end up in our compost. They're, they're, they're good for nothing anymore. And so, so it is the same with us because here's the thing. Abiding is realizing that you're not the vine, that you're a branch. That's what abiding is. Abiding is realizing that you're not the vine, that you are a branch and a branch can't bear fruit unless it is attached, unless it is connected to the vine, unless it is submitted to the vine. And that is the place. The place of bearing fruit in our life personally and externally is being submitted to the vine, is being submitted to Jesus. There is a place that we must remain in God's ecosystem for every believer. Here's the thing. God is the sustainer of all things. He's the trunk that is in the ground. He's the thing that is drawing nutrients from the ground. He's the thing that is supporting us. He's the thing that is enabling us. And Jesus then, he's the vine 
that connects us to God. Are you with me? He's the thing that connects us to God. And all we are in the ecosystem of how we follow Jesus is a branch. We are not the trunk. We are not the sustainer and creator of all things. We are not even the vine. We're not connect. We are not what connects God to humanity. Jesus did that when he came and lived a perfect life and died upon the cross. He's the one that connects us to God. And so when we are connected to God through Jesus and when we stay connected to Jesus as a branch, we then bear fruit. But if we're disconnected, if we're not connected to the vine, as Jesus bluntly says in this passage, you will not bear fruit. We want to live lives here at Disciple House as people who bear fruit, personally and externally. And the place that we are only going to be able to do that is if we remain, if we abide, if we submit to the vine. We can't disconnect ourselves and expect that we are going to be able to bear fruit in our life. God is the source of power. God is our peace when times are tough. And God is our hope of an amazing future when we go and meet with him in heaven. What is the place? What is the place? It is the realization that we need God. We need him. The reason that you are breathing right here and right now is because God has allowed you to breathe today. And I know that sometimes that's not popular teaching, but that's the truth. God has enabled you to have another day today by his mercy, by his grace, but also because of his love for you. He wants you to see and He wants you to live another day. He is the source of life. He is the breath of life. That's where He sits in the ecosystem of what He has created. And if we don't realize our need for God, and if we don't put Him first, we become a branch that is disconnected, unable to bear fruit. As Jesus points out in verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch disconnected that is thrown away and withers. Just like when we buy flowers, they wither, they, 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 they wipe themselves out. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. And we know when the Bible is talking about fire in terms of judgment, we know what that place is. We know what that destination is. That that's a place where we are eternally separated from Jesus, from our good, good Father. If a branch or a life is not submitted to God, but rather is self-seeking, is self-driven and is self-sustained, that life cannot produce fruit. That life will not be able to produce the fruit that God wants it to produce in its life. So how do we abide in Jesus? Number one, we're submitted as a branch to the vine. Number two, once we've realized our need for the vine, our next step is to work out how do we draw from the vine? How do we draw from the nutrients that the vine is drawing from our heavenly Father to Jesus and then to us as the branches that bear fruit. And so number two, how do we abide? By waiting on the vine. And this is the practice. So there is a place where we bear fruit, submitting to Jesus as a vine. But there is also a practice that enables us to bear fruit. And that is waiting on the vine or waiting on Jesus. Waiting is, sorry, abiding is submitting, but it is also waiting. And when we wait on God, and spend time with Him, we are abiding in Him. And when we do that, as I've just said, we receive that uh, uh, vital nutrients that we need in order to produce kingdom fruit in our life. Put simply, if we're not connecting, if we're not meeting, and if we're not waiting on Jesus, how do we expect to produce the fruit 
that only He can produce through us in our life. How can we do that? We can't. We simply cannot produce the fruit that Jesus wants to produce in our life unless we wait on Jesus. How do we wait on Jesus? There are actually many ways. This is the practice. This is is where things get really, really practical. How do we wait on Jesus? Well, we practice reading our word. That's what we do. And hey, if you're sitting here today and like, I I already know what his next point is. He's going to talk about prayer. (laughs) I already know what his next point is. He's going to talk about worship. Hey, how much of that is actually active in your life? Before you just sit under that and say, I've heard this before. This is something that I've heard. This, I've, I've been in church a long time. Are you a disconnected branch or are you connected to the Word of God? Are you a disconnected branch or are you in prayer? Is, is that the place where you're receiving from God? Why do we read our Word? It's because we're learning God's heart and we're learning God's plan for our life. That, that's where we know that. If you want to know God's heart, if you want to know His nature, if you want to know His character, the Word of God is the place that you need to go to. If you want to know God's plan for your life, it's the Word of God. Why do we pray? It's because it's the place where we hear God's voice and we hear His direction. Why do we worship? And I love that we did that today. It's because we're putting God back on the throne and pulling us back off the throne and allowing Him to be the Lord of our life. And we're also drawing the presence of God in our life, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit will actually be active and something that we bear when we go out into our community. Another practice that we do to wait on Jesus, the Bible describes that the church is the bride of Christ, that the two are one, that Jesus is the groom and that the church, we are the bride of Christ. And so how do you wait on Jesus? Being in a church community is another way that you wait on Jesus. Being in community. How, why is that? It's because you and you and you and you and you can't do what others can do. And we all come together and we build one another up in Jesus. Another way that we wait on Jesus is that we are a submitted bride, that we come to church, that it is a regular practice in our life in order for us to be able to be fruitful in our life. And hey, I know we've heard all these things before, but again, let's, I know it's a few months into this year. Why don't we afresh just decide, I'm going to get my word. I'm going to go to my prayer closet. I'm going to have times of worship. And I'm going to commit to a family of God. Maybe in the past, a church community may have hurt you. Maybe something has happened. And I don't know your story, but here's what I do know. Jesus is the restorer. Jesus is the helper. And Jesus is the healer. And as you submit to that relationship as being in the house of God, your life will flourish in Jesus' name. Some other ways that we wait on Jesus, and today I don't have time to go into full detail, but I just want to highlight these really quickly. How do we wait on God? We actually practice this thing called Sabbath. And Sabbath literally means stop. And right now, our our Western life is screaming. Don't stop. (laughs) Keep going. Reach the top. Don't stop till you drop. Shop, 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 consume, consume, consume. Keep going, keep pressing on, keep achieving, keep getting that success. When Jesus actually says, hey, one day a week, stop and trust me that I'm going to provide for you. Don't work on this day. It's not about um, don't drive your car. It's not those works. It's, it's stopping you. It's you stopping and being the sustainer of your life and you stopping saying, hey, Jesus, you are the sustainer of my life. You are the provider of my life. And this is something that Esther and I, this year, we've actually decided that we're going to implement in our life, that every Friday we stop, we cease, we rest. And I'm telling you, 
It has changed our ministry life. It has changed our marriage. It has changed our ability to be with Jordan and be present. I'm telling you, Sabbath, as Jesus actually says, is not a law. It's a gift from God to his people as we begin to apply in our life. And the last thing is practicing silence. Again, this is something that in our culture, you just don't do. What do you do when you have silence? Even the other day, this was me. What do we do when we get silence? Get a moment of silence. Just whip out this bad boy and just scroll. That's our, that's, that's our silence now. That, that's our moment of peace. Watching other people's lives and getting frustrated by other people. That's our place of peace now. That, that's what we've resorted to. That's not peace. One thing that I would love for us to maybe even try today or try tomorrow is just to start small, sit still for five minutes. No phone, no, no music, silence. Just stop and you watch as you begin to reflect and you watch as you are able to hear the voice of God and you watch as God just begins to highlight things in your life and in reality, you watch as God begins to tell you that he loves you. Yeah. You say, oh, my child has finally stopped, ready to hear what I have to say. Why do we get in silence? It's because we're not talking, but we're listening. Yeah, that's, right. that's why we practice silence and it allows God to impart what he's been speaking to you through his word, through whatever is happening here at Disciple House to actually go deep. If you're someone who practices journaling, you know that this practice is real true, that as you journal, there's revelations that what God's speaking to you really begin to go deep in your heart and practicing silence is one thing that we do. Okay, how do we abide in the vine? Number one, we're submitted to the vine. That's the place. Number two, uh, wait, what's my second point? Let me just read it again. Number two, we, I've just been talking about it for a long time. <laughs> Waiting on the vine. That is the practice. It's the things that we do to draw from the vine. And the third thing, as Carl just comes up for me to jump on the keys. Number three, we are, we are identifying how and why we detach from the vine. So how do we abide in Jesus? We are submitting. We are waiting. And we are identifying how and why we detached from the vine. Nowhere in this verse, in this passage that we've read today, actually says that Jesus detaches himself from us. It says that we detach from him. Jesus doesn't push himself away from us through life, through hurts, through disappointment, through doing things our own way, through allowing pride to be the thing that we hold on to, from having a wrong heart, as we spoke about last week, and from prioritizing other things over our relationship with God, we slowly but surely begin to disconnect ourselves from the vine. And so if we want to abide in the vine, we actually have to get really practical again and ask ourselves the question, how... And why did I detach myself from Jesus? Because Jesus never detached himself from you. How do we know this? In the Garden of Eden, God didn't send them out because he wanted to. It was because of our choice to do exactly what he said not to do. And that lie and that practice continues on in our life all the time. As we do exactly what he tells us not to do, we, we detach ourselves from him as we don't read our word, as we don't pray, as we don't be in church community, we, we detach ourselves from Jesus, as we allow disappointment to take root in our heart, as we allow things to take priority 
before Jesus in our life, we detach ourselves from Jesus. Jesus never detaches himself from us. We simply detach ourselves from Jesus. And so if we want to abide, we actually have to look at our hearts and say, how did I end up here? Not how did God send me here? How did I end up in this place? And I'm telling you, it looks like this. If we're connected to the vine, we're looking straight at Jesus. And when we're disconnected from the vine, we've only turned away from Him. But it feels like we're miles away from Him. It feels like we're, we're thousands of kilometers away from Jesus. But as soon as we decide, hey, I want to abide again, all it takes is one simple step to turn back to Jesus who was always right behind you, always right beside you. We sang that song today. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. There is none beside Jesus. He's always there. He is always with us. He is always present in our life. It is us that actually turns away from Jesus in our life. We need to identify these things.